For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Uh, welcome back to Hertel. Okay, new face. Love having these on. We're going to go almost all the way out west, at least where those mountains get real, real big. Look, I grew up in West Virginia. We got hills. They got mountains. Denver Post columnist, uh, Krista Kafer. So glad you're joining us. Thank you so much for the time, man. It's great to be here. This is going to be there. fun. Well, here, <laughs> there, over yonder, up yonder. Mom, <laughs> Mom's listening up yonder, up on top of our mountain. How you doing, Mom? Uh, if the Facebook's working, you never can tell because we don't have broadband in West Virginia yet. We'll talk about that some other time. Um, they just got they just got off dial up like six years ago. It's crazy. There's no I can't do this show when I go home because I have to get I can get a hotel room and get enough Internet to do it. That's the only way I can do it. It's that That's crazy. Bad. It is crazy. It's an economic issue. We'll paying that out some other time. Um, you write at the Denver Post. I guess you just decided you had enough friends in the world and didn't want to be popular in the Internet because you wrote a column. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Defending virtue signaling. <laughs> now, I, I, I see some hot takes from time to time, but that's a new one. Uh, Krista Kafer, defend your peace. <laughs> you know, we all do it, right? We all do virtue signaling. Everybody's at some point had a bumper sticker on the back of their car, maybe a sign in their yard. Even the things that we say and tweet. It's a way of signaling that we're in the group, that we agree with others. It's a way of telling people who are outside of the group that, hey, we're not like them, we're like these people. And I get that, it's fine. Where I draw the line is when legislators start using taxpayer money to virtue signal through their ordinances or laws. I'm thinking, you know what, get a sign, buddy. Yeah, and it's funny enough, I'm a nomenclature guy, so let's talk nomenclature because part of the problem is with virtue signaling is it means whatever you want it to mean, right? And different people use it differently. And the tone of voice I put it in, because I can say virtue signaling, I can say you're virtue signaling, you know, it just changes it. Cambridge actually sat down and made a definition of this thing. They say it's an attempt to show other people that you are a good person, for example, by expressing opinions that will be acceptable, keyword here, to them especially on social media. Now there's an urban dictionary one too, but we have to be FCC compliant for the radio. So we'll skip that one. Is that a good definition? Do you think working? Because I think the two key words there, I'm not big on grammar. My editors will tell you this. I'm terrible at it, but I think the to them and expressing that you are, is kind of the keys there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm expressing to other people. So let's put it this way. If, um, if, if, I'm a big pro-lifer, um, something I've been involved with for the better half of my life. Even when I was a Democrat, now I'm a Republican, I've been an independent, but I've always been pro-life. Now, if some crazy nutball out there were to shoot up a clinic, and it has happened, most of it in the deep past, but I would feel sort of like I had to say something on Twitter to say, look, I hate violence, all violence and murder is bad. Even though anyone who knows me knows that I am 
pro-life. I love all people. I'm against the death penalty. I'm against basically against killing unless it's in self-defense. And yet I would feel like I'd have to virtue signal to say, look, I'm pro-life, but I hate this thing. Similarly, I, you know, people on the left, friends on the left of mine, they may have a sign in their yard that says science is real and love is love and all this stuff. They're signaling to other neighbors like them that, hey, they're open-minded, they're tolerant, they love women, they love immigrants, they think uh, gay marriage is a good thing. I don't begrudge them that. If they want to do that, if that makes them feel good, you know what? I can just look at the, uh, the trees and the bushes. I don't have to look at their sign. Has this is going to be a weird question, but I've been thinking a lot about this because um, oldest daughter got her first little house and she has very strong political viewpoints. And then, of course, the house right across the street has flags and yard flags and the yard signs and all kinds of paraphernalia for the opposite of her views. And mm -hmm. I'm like, welcome to being an adult kid. This is just what it is. Um, has merchandising really, really ruined political virtue signaling? Because now. You can just get the shirt or you can just get the hat or you can get the bumper sticker. You can get the and I know this has really gotten ramped up the last few years because our, you know, Trumpian friends have really took it to another level. But let's be honest, at some point, you know, our progressive friends are going to figure out this a good slogan. They're going to have good merchandising, too. We've all seen it. Is merchandising really screwing up our viewpoint on this because we really can't spend money on it? And then where you spend your money, that's where your heart goes. The old saying goes, I don't think we can separate those two things in this particular instance, can we? No, it's kind of gotten corporate. It's become sort of corporatized. I, I think about, what is it, the whole month of, I don't know if it's February or March, it's a gay pride month. And yet, you know, you got Target and Walmart and all, I don't know about Walmart, but definitely Target and a whole bunch of different retailers putting out rainbow this and rainbow that. And, you know, I'm from the 70s. I liked it better when the rainbow was just the rainbow. But now it's like there's all this merchandise that comes out. And it's not even, I mean, how exactly is the rainbow and rainbow colored shoes or jewelry actually related to gay pride? I don't know, but it's definitely corporatized it. And I guess, you know, people like to wear on their person or their car or their house, things that signal about them. And um, I'm just thinking that, hey, every, everybody does it. It is a little tacky at, at times, especially if you don't actually mean what you say you mean. Um, but I, I'm not going to begrudge somebody. I, I have a, an anti-zombie sticker in my car, and I guess that's saying something about me. Um, um, hey, I've seen whole vehicles that are zombie response vehicles taped all the way yeah. down and painted on them. But, you know, I, I guess that's a very safe one since, you know, they're not really going <laughs> to deal with it. Is, is that part of it, too, here? Because, look, I, I we had a guy down here on the corner across from the shopping center down here. He He was selling flags. And he was selling Trump flags and he was selling rainbow flags and he was selling one love flags. And he was, he sells all of them. And he's like, well, I don't care. They all, they're all the same price, 20 bucks a flag. And that was his take on it. But that's not the internet take. When we move this into the social media realm and, and my thing lately has always been, you're a columnist, which means you're an observer of humanity because that's what you got to be to be a columnist. Yes. The thing about it, I think we just need to add social media to money, power, and alcohol. It just reveals whatever you already are, and it takes the barrier down, right? That's what social media, you know, people think they're bulletproof when they smash send. When you start putting this part of it to it, the virtue signaling stuff, or worse, you get really offended at somebody else's virtue signaling that may or may not just be an innocent thing that they're just doing to feel good about themselves. This gets to be a toxic mix pretty quick, doesn't it? And it's not because social media is bad. 
it's because we're making it that way. I think social media is whatever you want to make it out to be. So I, on Twitter, my rule is this, and my Twitter thing is at Krista Caver, my name, pretty easy, is that if somebody is really rude to me, I mean, not just disagreeing, but just being nasty or hateful, they automatically get muted and I don't respond to them. In the meanwhile, I only follow people that I respect. A lot of journalists, I, I follow you. I follow uh, people who have interesting opinions. I also follow a lot of scientists and a lot of bird photographers and people who photograph spiders because I, I like wildlife. I think it depends, you know, who, who you like, who you want, the communities you want to be part of, you can be on Twitter. So my Twitter experience is about 99% positive because I only correspond with people that I like. And I'm also a little contrarian in the sense that I send people compliments all the time, like, you know, that looks good, or I like your photo, or cool spider, or nice article. And I, I think you can be a, I, it sounds like a bumper sticker, but you can be a force for good on Twitter. Yeah, that's why we started doing the supper club thing with the food is like, because I don't have to check your handle and I don't have to check your bio before I like your food picture. So just put a food picture yeah. on there, send it out. I don't have to go through your bio. I don't have to worry about, you know, that one's safe for me. And because and a bunch of us that, yeah, a bunch of us that started that, like we talk politics all day. I need a happy place on my Twitter feed somewhere. So let's throw food and it blew up like it's way bigger than I thought. That's exactly why we did that. Cause I don't have to check. I don't, I don't have to see what your political views are. Oh, that's a, that's a good looking plate of ribs. That's a good looking bowl of ramen. I like it. Yeah. I think, you know, and I like to uh, pickle and can stuff. I like to make jam. Um, I like to put those pictures up there. And I, I think there are people out there who are a hundred percent all political all the time. I would say even as a columnist and somebody who, who, who does some political stuff, I've run for office and whatnot, but it's only about a tenth of who I am. I'm all about food, travel, animals. Um, I like meeting people. I like meeting people on the left or the right and hearing about their stories. I heard an interview of, with you. Um, and I, one of the things that I took away from that is that your family, uh, sometimes when your family gets together, you guys sing hymns. It's a very small thing, but I just thought it was so delightful. And then also that you like game meat, same as me. I think there's just a lot of, cool people out there that I enjoy staying in touch with, even though I don't know them personally. Yep. Almost deer season. I'm going to get my bag of jerky here in about, eh, about seven, eight weeks here. Can't wait. Um, Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. When you're talking about virtue signaling, if you know who you are, it makes it a lot easier to get your points across because people want real. Like, you know, you're a columnist, you're a public figure, you've done, you know, congressional staffing. So you've done like statistical analysis. People want real. And what something that's happening online is folks are figuring out really quick who's real and who's not. 
But that's a two-edged sword because with this virtue signaling stuff is you can also reveal that you're not real in a really big hurry when you don't actually mean to. I don't know that that's really a fixable thing because that's an individual thing. That's a First Amendment thing. Where that changes, and this is where you get into it in your piece, is that's you and me and Joe Schmo and, and you know, Buddy Up Cabin Creek and whoever talking about it. And, you know, the, the crazy pothead and Parker can say whatever they want to say out in Colorado, right? When the government starts doing it, though, and a government official or an elected official or an unelected bureaucrat for that matter, and they start putting the power and force of government behind something like that, though, it changes into a very different thing, though, doesn't it? It certainly does. And I highlighted a couple of things in that piece where uh, we first was a, and I say this, I'm basically a right-leaning uh, columnist at a very, at a left-leaning paper. Um, I'm kind of like the Ross Dutot and the, the George Will only out here in the middle of flyover country. And I, I tend to poke, poke fun at both sides because I think you know, any at any given point, someone is doing something stupid somewhere. And sometimes they're Republicans, sometimes they're Democrats, sometimes they're independent. A lot of the, you know, Green Party, Libertarian, whatever. And so I picked out a couple of different examples of lawmakers here in the vicinity, both on the left and the right, who did things that will not hold up in court. I believe they did them to virtue signal, to show to their base, hey, I'm with you. And the first one was a conservative county commissioner decided that he was going to go after a pride fest event that is held on a on the the fairgrounds of a basically a conservative leaning county. Now, I'm not into pride fest, I don't go to them, I don't care. But because there was a wardrobe malfunction and a fake boob on a male performing as a female was shown, this lawmaker is using that as pretext to make sure that pride fest can't come back to the the fairgrounds. And the same, uh, the same commissioner, he threatened to buy a big uh, park from an, an adjacent jurisdiction because that adjacent jurisdiction had put in place a concealed carry ban um, in parks. So, but, but, the, but the district can't even afford the property. So again, it's kind of threatening something that can't happen. And then we got a big left-leaning district out in Boulder that has decided there's no gun shows at county fairs. And that's not going to hold up in court because you can't allow other kinds of buying and selling opportunities and not allow lawful gun sales on the same fairground. So I, I draw the line here because these are all sort of virtue signaling. They're telling their base, look, we're anti-guns or we're anti-pride fest. Whereas I'm thinking, how about you just get a bumper sticker and then spare us and spare your staff the time it's going to take to put this in and then to also try to hold it up in court because it's not going to hold up. So you're you're wasting taxpayer money. And it's not just wasting taxpayer money. This is something I've tried really hard to do since I started doing public writing. And then later that led to media. A lot of what we talk about is virtue signaling or even, you know, ideological things. You know, the real hot button culture war stuff is to kind of turn the noise down on it and get into it. And it's like, OK, is this really a problem or is this a vehicle somebody's using for power? And more often than not, if it's something really loud, like that gun show, like the pride events, like, you know, drag queen story hour on some state, you know, 2000 miles away, somebody going after a church during COVID, you can pick both sides are very bad at this. Whatever you're going to pick, almost without exception, if you dig and dig and dig enough, you end up coming to somebody who's basic, you know, 
when you really get down to it, they're just saying, I don't like this and I want the power to make it stop. That's not virtue signaling. That's abuse of power. Unless it's something criminal, in which case there's already a criminal code or morally wrong, in which case you have some civil options to go to court and try to stop it and argue your case. It's always when you strip it down and you get rid of the buzzwords and you get rid of all the nonsense and you get rid of people's feels to use the, the vernacular of the kids these days. It's really mostly going to be about somebody wanting power to make somebody else do something they don't really want to do, but they think they should be doing right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Virtue signaling becomes power, uh, abuse of power when lawmakers decide that they can foist their will on the rest of us. My thought is this. If you don't want to go to Pride Fest, don't go. Um, people, all the people who witnessed that that uh, wardrobe malfunction were people who meant to be there. And yeah, they did bring their family with them. That is their choice. They have a choice to be able to go and they made that choice. I wouldn't make the same choice. And if you don't wanna make that choice, don't make it. Same goes for gun shows. If you don't want to own a gun, if you don't want to go to a gun show, don't go. Uh, but don't begrudge a law-abiding person the opportunity to, to buy a firearm. And here's the funny thing is that when you look at statistics, the people who commit crimes generally don't buy their firearms from gun shows. Uh, this is Gun shows are where law-abiding people go to buy firearms. And same, same goes with the concealed carry ban in, in Denver area parks. People who own, who have a concealed carry permit are the least likely to commit crimes if you compare them to other people. So there, there is, a, you know, virtue signaling, everyone does it, but when you're doing it and enhancing your own power and really discriminating against other people in, you know, Douglas County is saying that, hey, if you want to have a festival of some kind, you can come to the, the counter the county fairgrounds, unless you're gay and you're about gay pride, then you can't come. Um, Boulder County is saying, yeah, you can come here and have some kind of a big swap meet. You can sell, um, you know, rocks and gems, whatever you want to do. But if it's firearms, you can't sell it. And you, you just can't do those things. You cannot have viewpoint discrimination. You cannot use the power of government to force your viewpoint on other people. Krista Kafer, Denver Post columnist, joining us. The other side of that is because you've been on the other side of it. You've worked, you know, on the political side of it as a staffer and other things. When you have competing, let's call them stunts, because like we said, if, if you if you do something and you know it's not going to hold up in court, but it's going to be a year and a half or two years from now before it gets through court and it'll be after an election, looking at certain people right now, you know, that that's a stunt. But then you have competing stunts because there's going to be a reaction from whatever person you stunted or the side you stunted. They're going to react to that with another stunt. But on a practical level, especially on the local and state level, that makes doing coherent, consistent policy that we need to have normal everyday lives to have economic freedom, to have political consistency for people to have an environment of freedom. It makes that almost impossible, doesn't it? Because now the lawmakers are going to spend all their time stunting instead of trying to figure out ways to work together and make the, I know Pollyannis to say, well, they've got to work together. Well, if they're fighting, they're not, you know, it's the old mob thing. If you're on the mattresses, you ain't making money. If you're fighting each other, you ain't legislating stuff. 
And there's no way to have consistent policy, good, bad, or indifferent, if that's all you're doing. And I see that part accelerating, and I see the legislative part falling by the wayside. I think you're right. So I, I was a congressional staffer in the late 90s, and then I worked for a big think tank in D.C. in the early 2000s. And what's interesting, I'm not saying there was no no political theater. I mean, political theater is, is age old. But politicians making big speeches, saying insulting things, provoking people, uh, you know, doing different things. It, it, that's just sort of stock and trade of, of political power. But there's definitely less of it. And what's interesting is that there's something, there's 13, 13 uh, spending bills. We managed, I mean, I, they say we, I was a staffer for a congressman. And we managed to pass all of them. All, you know, we never did omnibus bills. We actually managed to pass all of those those bills. And people did work together a lot more. Yeah, there was, you know, there was tension, there was friction, and people disagreed. But I would say the proportion of theater to actually working on things, the working on things was more than the theater. It feels like, and I'd have to quantify it if I were to, you know, call up a congressman's office or a congresswoman's office and say, how many of your staff members are actually working on real legislation versus uh, being provocative and getting yourself on Fox News? I don't know what that ratio is exactly, but the way it feels to me is that it's more theater, less action. I mean, you know, I remember the 90s. I'm old enough. 98 was my first election, the midterms. That's the Clinton impeachment election. So, yeah, there there was some mess going on. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, I remember that time period well. But it's in the, it's you mentioned it, though. What changed in the 90s was the rise of network news as we now know it. We started getting the Internet. We started having, you know, alternate media. Um, things like Rush Limbaugh was at his peak in the late 90s, early 2000s. The Internet started changing it. Then it changed again in the mid 2000s with smartphones. It's changing again now because you have even more technology. Virtue signaling is one of those things that seems to fit the new media environment really, really well because you can go to that way faster and it fits into you know the the characters on Twitter and you can get it on a TikTok real fast. It almost feels like something like virtue signaling, which is already an ingrained part of human nature. You can call it other things throughout human history, but it's always been there. This media environment, it's almost like it's tailor-made for it. So, observer of humanity that you are, what do you think is a more productive way for people to talk about it? Because calling out hypocrisy never works. If you take you know any kind of debate class ever, they'll just be like, you know, never address hypocrisy because you just end up in a circle. So calling out hypocrisy on virtue signaling is never going to work, and we're all doing it. So that's not going to work either. What's a more productive way to have this conversation, do you think? You know, it's hard to virtue signal face-to-face. Um, you know, it's something you put on your, your Twitter account, you put it on your car. But when you actually sit down and talk to people, people don't talk in slogans. They don't sort of um, push those things on each other. So I guess I would recommend more face-to-face conversations and also just having the discipline to say, I'm not going to follow people who are provocative. I'm not going to respond to people who are provocative. I have basically a no response uh, rule for myself that if somebody is nasty to me, I just mute them. I'm just done. Um, Because what they want to do is they want to provoke me and I'm supposed to provoke them. And then they're supposed to provoke me again. And it's sort of like a tit for tat, you know, provoking and virtue signaling. I don't want to do any of that. It's a total waste of time. I'd rather waste my time on Wordle, frankly. (laughs) You know what I mean? If I'm going to waste my time, it should be on dog videos. It should not be on 
uh, trading tit for tat for some angry person. So for the most part, unless some, if somebody comes at me with a criticism of my column or something I've tweeted that is reasonable, of course I'll interact with them. But if they're going to be nasty, then I, it's just automatic mute. And I, I think having both the discipline to be disciplined in our social media interactions, and then also just making the time to spend time with people. I, I have a lot of friends on the left, which surprises some folks because I've been uh, you know, a person of the sort of center right for a long time. And we don't talk about politics most of the time. We talk about food and travel and you know stuff that we like, animals. Basically, if you like dogs, I probably like you. Um, I have, you know, very rarely we'll meet somebody who likes dogs or horses that is not a likable person. But generally speaking, if you like animals, um, I'm there. I love food. I'll feed anyone. I'll eat anyone's food for the most part. I I love travel. I love to meet people from other countries. It's it's that kind of face-to-face -face interaction that that takes us away from virtue signaling and maybe just being virtuous. Yeah, and my rule is that I started doing was um, anything, unless it's somebody I really know well, I'll go along with them. You know, the third tweet is like a bar after midnight. Nothing good's going to happen after that third tweet usually. <laughs>
that's where this stuff gets dangerous is when you start put, you know, not to be a pop psychologist here, but when you're, when you're purposely getting the negative reinforcement out of your virtue signaling, I think that's way more dangerous than just wearing the t-shirt of your candidate of choice or your cause of choice or a rainbow flag or a red Trump hat or whatever the case may be. Cause those aren't inherently negative. Although I know they can be sometimes that, that need for that negative online is the one that I just say, Nope, I'm not interacting with this anymore. It's it's, it, there's no, there's no good in it at all. I, I have to watch myself from getting the sort of the dopamine hit on likes. Like, you know, if I post a picture of some wildlife photography, I, you know, I find myself checking to see if anyone's liked it. Right. Or if I make a clever statement or post a column and I'm looking for likes and I, I just have to monitor myself to make sure that I'm not using that as my so its main source of dopamine. It needs to be the people around me needs to be meaningful, significant activity online. And yeah, I mean, I would say that for the most part, it, if social media, if you're disciplined, about it, it can be a positive. I've connected with people. I sometimes sell things on Facebook Marketplace, and uh, you know, if somebody inherits a bunch of stuff, I don't want it. I'll I'll sell it for them for a commission. And I have met the nicest people that have come to my house. I've ended up like sending them home with plants because I'm a big gardener, and I'll be like, take these plants, take them away. And so I find that it's been social media has facilitated both Facebook and Twitter, I've met some really interesting people that I correspond with, but I just use the self-discipline. If somebody is nasty or inauthentic, I, I don't know who they are, if they actually are a real person, why should I interact with them? And like you, everything is under my own name. So my public Facebook page, my Twitter page, my, uh, my Substack, my column, everything is under my name. I never send out any message that is not attached to my name. So if it would dishonor my name, it's not going out. Yeah, it's something I do too, because my kids are all old enough. They don't even have to have a Twitter account. They can just Google my name and my Twitter feeds first thing pops up. So keeps us all fair. Uh, Krista Kafer, always uh, love talking about this stuff because this stuff's important because you can talk about the politics and the policy stuff, but if you're not you know, doing good stuff on your own line, none of that stuff matters because nobody's going to listen to you. Um, the dopamine hit, of talking to good people though, because I've I've made some really important to me relationships just through the Twitter now over the last four years. And um yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Chris Caver, thank you so much for the time today. We're gonna definitely have you back. We're gonna get you in the rotation. We need a we need a Western correspondent. So that might be you <laughs> out there in the Rocky Mountains. Uh until we see you on Herd Tell again, let folks know where they can find you, where they can follow you, keep up with your work until we get you back. So Krista Kafer, uh Denver Post is one place you can get it if uh if you want to, you're going to hit the paywall if you look for my stuff in there. If you don't want to pay it, you can also, I also retweet those or reprint those at my Substack, which is Anomalous Take, like a weird take. It's anomalous. Um, and you can check me out there on my Substack. Follow me on Twitter. You know, you at least get some cool pictures of spiders and my dog. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. You're somebody I've, I've admired and I just enjoy the things that you tweet out. I love your love of food and I like learning more about West Virginia. So uh, the fact that you contacted me after just thinking you were cool, I heard an interview with you, um, your, your story, um, how you got to where you are now. And I just found it really inspirational. And it, this is a good example of meeting somebody through an online presence that has, that, that, that's nice. Uh, you're too kind. Um, I will admit though, 
I I'll confess it. If the timeline gets a little slow, I I may or may not throw a dog pick on there just to make things pick up. That 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 <laughs> may I may not have full integrity when it comes to. There's enough of them running around here. That's for sure. In fact, in fact, we got a we got a rescue. We're picking up Wednesday, so there's another one coming. God help us. But um, thank you so much for that. That's very kind. And that, but that's that's what we try to do. So I appreciate, it. and that's what we try to do with this show because we're the non-yelling show. We talk to everybody. So definitely, we'll have you back, my friend. Um, the piece is in the Denver Post. We will link to it. Read the whole thing for yourself, like we always say. And we'll have you back again soon, Chris Kafer. Thank you so much for the time, man. Thank you. Yes, man. Thank you. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.